Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. Welcome back to the Everyone Gets a Trophy podcast. You heard the post-game reaction to the Kansas State win with the man I like to call El Pantera, the Panther. That's Ian Boyd. The passion that cannot be caged. I'm here with another man who had his own nickname in Venezuela. Yeah. El Burro, because he could pitch deep, deep innings. The reliable mule, Randy <laughs> Boone. What's going on, man? Not much, man. How you doing? That was not your nickname, was it? No. Was it La Flama uh, Blanca? No. Light flame? Definitely not. Did you have a Kenny Powers outfit that you wore with tassels? Yeah, that was reserved for special occasions, though. Oh, okay. That was more of a honeymoon thing? Yeah. Got it. And the honeymoon was definitely not in Venezuela. <laughs> <laughs> <Not even> was... <laughs> that was more of a wake-up call. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Still uh, have some questions for you about the cash that you were paid there and how you got it through customs. And Hey, that was 100% legitimate. Did you report it all? We're still recording. Okay. Randy's going to take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. A uh, group of people are not taking the fifth. The college, college football playoff committee uh, had their meeting in Dallas. And I think this is their process. Correct me if I'm wrong. They look at a wide variety of resumes, analytics, qualitative and quantitative factors in a cursory way. And then they just pick their favorite schools based on about a quarter of watching them on television. Does that sound about like the process? I think they sit in a room and look through kaleidoscopes for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Do kids have kaleidoscopes anymore? I've, people have no idea what that is, but uh, yeah, those are legit. But no, I don't know what they do, but you're, the, the end of your process is correct. <laughs> I think that's uh, kind of what happened. And I, I got uh, <laughs> to call out our pal Joe Cook from Inside Texas because he had a, a great post. I mean, talk about a, a word salad. So the college football playoff committee members or one of the members will go and now then answer questions to the media after they release these rankings, which they do on TV. It's all like a reality show, right? It's ridiculous. Yes. So someone asked, someone asked Boo Corrigan. He's the athletics director at NC State, Randy. Uh, yep. Boo Corrigan was asked, wanted to ask about six through eight. Why is Oregon ranked ahead of Texas and Alabama? And this was Boo Corrigan's response. Again, looking at the win over Utah, understanding that Texas has a win over Alabama, 
Alabama comes back with wins over Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU. But it's just a compilation of everything that I was talking about. It's not one single metric, but we spend a lot of time on it. We want to make sure we get it right. It's not like we do this one time and then move on. We'll do it one time and then we come back to it again and then come back to it again and make sure that everyone is comfortable with where we are. <laughs> that was his response. Dude, why is Oregon ranked ahead of Texas and Alabama? He should have said pretty highlighter colors and moved on. He should have been like, they have cool uniforms and I watched them on TV for a couple of quarters. So they looked yeah. awesome. No. Yeah, no, it was uh, an interesting. I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point other than, like you said, it's made for TV at this stage in the game. But uh, yeah, what their criteria is and or was is highly in question at this point in time. You want to hear the follow up? Can you guys justify with Alabama's win over LSU as to how and why you guys kept them at the number eight spot? Boo Corgan. Again, as we look at this as a committee, we continue to evaluate the play on the field. That, that's important. You want to evaluate the play on the field, Randy, not the play off the field. That's, yeah, typically a valid concern for a football team. We continue to evaluate the resume as well as statistics. <laughs> he added that. Statistics. So not the, not the play on the field. Texas has the win over Alabama and Tuscaloosa, which is a significant game overall this season as we look at that as well as Oregon continuing to play really well. Their win over Utah, again, Utah was mentioned, mm-hmm. and the balance of their top five offense and top 15 defense. So <clears throat> on the committee is the athletic director for Utah. Let me guess. Too late. You already said it. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I, I buried the lead there. And I just want to give you all a quick heads up that uh, Utah is not very good. All their press that they got early. Hey, how dare you insult Kyle Whittingham and his beard? <clears throat> yeah, that I, I like Kyle Whittingham. I like his beard. I like his Harley. But they got all their initial attention for beating Florida. Florida is not going to a bowl this year, guys. Florida, Florida just lost to Sam Pittman. They beat Baylor by seven on the road. They got whipped by Oregon State. They beat USC which USC is going to be a seven and five team when this is all over. And then they got blown out by Oregon. And what this guy independently brought up Utah twice in the same context as Texas beating Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. One of these things is not like the others. I would say uh, that's irregular. And I was looking at this. And again, it's early, and I, I don't want to get too into this, but the strength of schedule for Texas, 10th in the country. Oregon, you have, you have a guess? I'd say it's probably in the 60s. 63rd. You freaking nailed it. Good job, Randy. Pulling one under your ass. So <laughs> both teams are they have a loss. Oregon has one win over a college football playoff-ranked opponent. Texas has three wins over college football playoff ranked opponents. Yep. Texas is behind Oregon. Why? The play on the field, Paul. <laughs> and statistics. And stats. <laughs> no, it's just because they don't know any better. You want to hear uh, Boo Corrigan's resume at North Carolina State? I think anybody that goes by the name Boo is probably 
speaks for itself, but sure, go ahead. Let's get well, into it. It is <clears throat> Halloween was about a week ago. Uh he led the women's cross country squad to the first NCAA title ever by a Wolfpack women's team and the school's first national team title in any sport since 1983. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to insult any cross country coaches out there, but run. Yeah. Is the coaching faster and quit slowing down so fast? Run longer. As as uh, Abe Lemons once said about Delos Dodds, who was a former track coach, he said, "What are his qualifi- qualifications in coaching or evaluating coaches? All he's ever done is say, stay to the left and hurry back.'" <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. So I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's more to cross country than that, but yeah, that's an interesting uh, career path. Well, I'm, I'm, so I'm not going to tell you all about all the resumes of all the people on this committee, but uh, if you want to Google it and read it, it's uh, they're not sending our best. Condoleezza, Condoleezza Rice was on this thing. If she if was, she's, if she's still not. So, I mean, she's been replaced by a guy who's a, a manager at a utility company, uh, a sports adjunct professor at Columbia and Rutgers. She used to also be a sports writer and several bureaucrats from athletic departments to include Michigan uh, and Utah and several other Midwestern uh, AD departments and a couple of random dudes like a dude uh, from Virginia Union who's like got kind of a student health and wellness job there. Sounds so, like a perf- perfect collection of people to do what they're tasked to do. So to me, if you're going to at- attack this from a metric statistical point, this is exactly the group you want interpreting data. And if you want to just evaluate the football on the field, all these career ed- you know, athletics department bureaucrats, yeah, I don't think 100%. there's anyone better qualified. So. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Nailed it. So uh, good stuff. I-, I expect only good work products out of this committee in the future. I so would, bad. I, so uh, bad. I, I love that someone can't answer. So I'll say this about the bas- basketball. Like you have a lot of d- discussion and debate with the NCAA tournament. Like look at their no. record. Oh, they're 11 and seven and then to the top 50. If you ask a guy in the committee, hey, why do you have them as a 12 seed? And you go, well, bottom line against the top 25, they were 0 and 4. Yeah, there's a reason. You may disagree with it, but there's a reason. Like, they, they don't have a- say... Now, in terms of uh, the yeah. Creighton win, they have everyone, uh, you know, just babbling nonsense. I mean, a, a basketball committee guy will go, well, at the end of the day, look, Kentucky's got an unimpeachable strength of schedule, and that's why they're a one seed. I understand they did have the late SEC tournament loss, but we judge their total body of work. And you may yeah. not like the answer, as you said, Randy, yeah. but it is a straightforward answer. Oh, yeah, it's I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a debate. It's a debatable stance. And it, or a stand, it's a stance in general, but yeah. yeah. Well, it had like information in it. Yeah. <laughs> it had a relative comparison because that's the implied aspect of anything. Yeah. I don't know. I we're, we're sounding like uh, aggrieved Texas fans there, but I think I, I've got issues with no, the I, beyond just Texas. Yeah, I I think if this thing expands, they need to get back to some sort of computer model. <clears throat> but let's talk for another time. I'm sure. Well, and also, if you don't reward strength of schedule, 
which they've clearly disincentivized strength of schedule. Yep. You're you're diminishing the game itself because you're Texas and Michigan aren't going to play each other in September. Right. It, it, the, the thing that this opens up is that game. Yeah. Like, hey, you can go go play those games because yeah. TV and, wants them and, and the fans we'll give you want credit them. for it. Like we should give but, you credit for that. But give me credit for doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. But they're they're yeah they they roll it out like no nah, it's not important. Hey. Texas beat Bama and Tuscaloosa. Oregon mm. went down and beat Utah. Same, same. We played the New York Yankees. We beat UT Arlington. It's all baseball. Yeah, it was it's on the same. road. It's on the road. It all counts the same. <laughs> Both games on the road. All right. Well, I had to get that little burr out of my saddle. Uh, did you know what the rankings are by any chance? I hadn't looked at them. Yeah. So we're seven, Alabama's eight. Both Washington and Oregon are ahead of us. And then Ohio State still got the number one spot. Lots of credit being given mm, to beating man, a, a three-loss Notre Dame team. God, I disagree with that so bad, but it's interesting, right? I didn't I didn't teach theoretical math at Columbia, so well, she she didn't either. She was a journalism professor. <laughs> think, if if we had a theoretical math professor from Columbia, I'd actually feel a lot better about parts of the process, to tell you the truth, because they they understand the ideas of context and numbers and and you know parameters comparison. It's kind of integral to the notion of math. So, yeah, this is the system we've got. Um, you know, I guess we're not going to have BYU winning the national championship by beating a seven and four Michigan in a bowl as occurred in 1985. Yeah. It's not that, that bad. That was a mid eighties deal. I remember we, reading about that, but we, we have improved in that regard, but uh, yeah. And a lot of it's going to work itself out. Right. I mean, it, it'll, a lot of it will sort itself out on the field where you can watch them play and statistics. <laughs> So, but anyway, we use a complicated measure known as statistics to aid our decision making. I'm not sure oh, if you're familiar with you're, this. I think you're you're baiting me into one of my statistics <laughs> rants right now, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna resist at this point. I mean, dude, you give up like five home runs in one inning of pitching, and your ERA is <laughs> just wrecked. It's not even fair, is it, Randy? Yeah. It's not even fair. It's, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna let you. I don't. I don't have the time or the energy right now to get into this. Randy's looking at me like one of his kids is just misbehaving, trying to get attention, and he's just like, "Nope, not gonna fall for it." I liked it. I liked it better when we were talking shit about people that didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. Uh, all right. Speaking of people who didn't know what they were doing at all the times, uh, Malik Murphy, great first quarter. Hey, let's start with yeah. the positives. Absolutely. Let's 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 start with the strokes before we give the pokes. Uh, great first quarter. Kind of felt like once his throws ran out and the things that we uh, Kansas State helped us a little bit by running man against Adonai Mitchell and blitzing. Still confused uh, as to why they did that, but yeah, they they got out of it pretty quick. They got out of it, and Malik got out of his groove pretty quickly yeah. as well. So, and it, it, he, I mean, he still made some decent throws and reads throughout the game. It's just some of the bad ones are egregiously bad, and the yeah, 
mediocre bad ones were pretty bad themselves. But I mean, he found Sanders on a little window, and you know, I mean, they're <clears throat> it wasn't like he just completely disappeared. Uh, but yeah, it it definitely definitely tailed off pretty hard there after the the switch and the uh and the Kansas State defensive strategy. So Quinn Ewers was able to practice and throw it around a little bit. Uh, I know people are Googling the recovery on his injury. And as I've meant, as I've said before, that's the recovery timeline for Bob, the recreational softball player. It's yeah. not necessarily a college quarterback trying to yeah, throw Aaron, darts. And- yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is about to play in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> He's now saying six, so yeah, whatever it, but he was out there throwing a football around like four weeks after tearing his Achilles. So yes, the, these guys are different. True. But part of it is, uh, with yours, it's not just pain threshold. Yes. It's that takes a little juice off your arm. Yep. Um, did you ever get a stinger in high school? Oh yeah. You probably didn't throw like real great. No. Yeah. I mean, after I- that, <clears throat> Yeah, several instances where, you know, that it just, it lingers, it takes time, everything looks the same, you feel like it's the same, it just doesn't, I mean, it's it's no different than a, a pitcher that just, for whatever reason, that day is like, man, I don't, I just don't have the juice on it or whatever, and anybody that's ever thrown something consistently can relate to that, it's just, everything feels normal, it just ain't coming out, and I don't, I don't know what it's like coming off of that injury, but even cleared and quote unquote healthy, you know, one little nudge and we can be right back into change up mode. Yeah. So I, I do think that there's going to be an interesting tension between playing yours, potentially with a higher risk of re-injury, right? And then how long can we get away with putting Malik Murphy out there? I was going to say, if if yours is able to play this week, obviously the risk him coming back that quickly you're you're making the call on that. Doctor and Doctor and Quinn walks up to Coach Wadlington and says he's good to go if you need him. Oh, I don't like the if you need him part. Cause I do need him. Oh, I, I agree. I'm just saying. Do, uh, do you do you roll the dice on the road at night in a place that mm, maybe hadn't been so kind to us? I mean that's an argument to roll the I dice. Don't. Right, I, I don't. I don't. If he's able to play, he plays. Yeah, I mean, if I in my in my mind, I was just curious I, what your take would be. I mean, if, if he can play, he can play, and you just roll it out there, and what happens yeah. happens. Uh, you want to make it clear to your offensive line the importance of protection, and you want to make yep. it clear to yours throwing the ball away is not cowardice. We're just trying yep. to keep you upright, like yep. through four quarters, because over four quarters. We'll make enough plays that we'll beat these guys. And Absolutely. what you and what you won't do, Quinn, is make the crippling play that can get us beat. Yep. So I think that's and you it. Can, and you, you can't you can't trust that now with Murphy. He, he's shown too many times that he'll put it at risk. Yeah. So <clears throat> let me let's throw viewers out. Let's say he's warming up in game time and he's like, Man, I feel something that's it's not coming off well. Not it. Okay. We have something, you've heard of a sunk cost fallacy, right? Yep. Uh, People do this in their lives all the time. I found myself guilty of it. Just being aware that it exists actually helps you resist it. But I have with Murphy what we could call a sunk cost fallacy. 
which is I've invested all this time and energy in making Malik Murphy the second team guy. We haven't been able to get Arch into games. There's a, a myriad of reasons for that. I'm not blaming the staff for that. Right. But getting the number two reps is different from getting the number one reps. Getting the number two reps is different from getting the number three reps. And if Malik has gotten the lion's share of two reps, he's gotten the lion's share of development to be the backup, and he's been the backup for, for yep. viewers, and you have all that time and all that coaching invested in him, it's hard to pull that guy off the field if he throws a couple of picks, right? Agreed. Because you've got a sunk cost fallacy. The problem is you may need to get him off the field because it may not reverse itself, right? Uh well, at a certain point, you got to think about knowing him, well, not him, knowing the player, and at what point are you no longer showing confidence in him and, like, beating him down and ruining the potential for growth in the future? Yeah. So that that's another, I, I don't know, I mean, without knowing the person that's involved in that, I don't, I don't think you can make that decision, but... Um, I, I, I think, think I, I think I'd I'd go back to what you said a couple weeks ago. It's like, hey, you got two series. Arch is going on third one. Yeah, we got to get him. We got to get him in the game. Like yeah. you, 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 you can't run the risk of Kansas State happening again. Heaven forbid we tap a finger on a face mask and something he got, he has to come out and then. Not only did all that happen and all this momentum swing has happened, but he can't go back out and you have to put Manning in, in that situation. Like, I, I just think you got to get him on the field. I also think it's incumbent on the head coach to pull the quarterback for the right reasons. Yeah. And I, I get the confidence thing and supporting your guy and everything you're saying. Like, I, I agree with it all. I understand it. But at a certain point, there's 87 other guys that you owe as well. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, walk-ons, I guess walk-ons included 90, whatever, but 120 with walk-ons, man. Yeah. Well, but that you, you owe those guys too, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think that's where the process matters because you do see coaches that are kind of chicken shit who will pull their quarterback because there was a tip ball at the line. Right. Yeah. Or the receiver ran the wrong route and you get down and the, the crowd's booing and you pull the guy and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. He could work through that. He didn't, he yeah. wasn't the cause of that. The difference was last week, Murphy had four turnover worthy throws. Yep. Two of them were actually punished. Three of the four were real, real bad. Yep. Like not yeah. just, hey, no, I'm playing quarterback, mm -hmm. stuff happens type stuff. Yeah. No, right. no doubt about it. So I think it's important that the mistake be process oriented that you make the decision. So like a pitching example, I'll, I'll botch this. I'm sure you've thrown good pitches before that got hit mm -hmm. and it's a good pitching coach can go, Hey, that was fine. Like the guy dove for it and yeah, no, he, he sold out. He sold out. He, you know, yes, right. Whatever. He's yeah. Now, your hat and you move on. Yep. Now there's been times when you've been ass and when the guy walks out there, you're pissed off at yourself. You still want to compete, but you're like, I get it. Here's the ball. I'm going to go yeah. back to the dugout. I'm not mm -hmm. happy. Uh, but if a guy comes out when you're pitching pretty well, 
and and you have a little rough spot early or there's a couple of errors, they get guys on base, yep. right? And someone comes out to pull you, you're sitting there like, what? What are you doing, guy? Like, I'm, I'm fine. Like, are you not watching yep. the same game I am? I don't know. Did that, did, ever, did that happen to you in the pros? I, oh, yeah, plenty of times. Yeah. yeah but, but on b- both ends of that spectrum, I mean, it's just like, you just got to have the feel for it. I would think, and I would, I guess I would say I'd like to think that I would trust that Sark, having played the position and the experience that he has, would make that decision correctly. Yeah. Um, I think so. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes up at any sport and anything you're going to get into. I mean, there, there are things where your process is correct and you just don't get the results sometimes. And you, you have to know that and just dive into it harder. But like I said, the, or you said, um, the, the four that he put it, put it peril last Saturday, kind of hard to justify. I will say this. If Sark has any credit for a, a knowledgeable observer, it's I'm going to let the quarterback go too long. Yeah. I'm not going to let it. I'm not going to pull him early. If anything to a fault, I'll let that guy stay in there too long. So I, I think if, if he does come for you, <laughs> it's, you probably know you've been doing real bad. I, I think, <laughs> and I think that's the correct, I think that's the correct side to err on because like you said, if the time comes where that decision has to be made, it will not be a situation where he comes up to you and you're in a position to defend yourself. It'll be, yeah, coach, I got it. Like, I understand. Like, I, I just don't think it'll be, no, coach, you didn't see, you know, this, it, it, it's not, it's, it'll be in an undefensible situation where it, it's, I mean, the competitor in you is going to probably bucket at the time, but two minutes later when you calm down and you're over it, it's like, yeah, he's right. Yeah. You know who else is right? Our Gabe, guy, Winslow. Gabe Winslow. That's right. Yes. Got it. Randy nailed it. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. Now, Gabe is not right about any of his sports opinions. But in terms of mortgages, the guy is a freaking genius. So this is true. Give him a call. Uh, <laughs> mortgagesbygabe.com. Randy's chuckling over there. Uh, Gabe would be, he's more upset that I've, Diminished his sports knowledge and praised his mortgage acumen than the reverse, right? I heard I heard a rumor he's gonna write a basketball um preview. Is that is there any truth to that? He should thinking Texas basketball. Yeah. I, yeah. The text message that I woke up to this morning was about half of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's chapter one. <laughs> On the incarnate word game. I was like, damn, Gabe. <laughs> In it. <laughs> Tell you what. <laughs> That guy's on the ball. Well, he's on the ball on mortgages. Uh, look, guys, I'm not going to give you the hard sell on it. I think I have given you the hard sell before, but not, not on this pod. Uh, bottom line is there's levels to this, and Gabe's just much sharper, much smarter, much more organized, much more networked than the average mortgage guy. If you don't think that matters and you think it's just a rate quote, great, y'all go do your online thing. But I'm talking, I'm talked to many people, many happy listeners who basically Gabe saved their bacon with what Absolutely. he did. And uh, uh, Randy is a happy customer. Uh, yep. Random dude named Eric Nalin at Inside Texas has done three mortgages with Gabe, too. I didn't realize that. They were tied. Yeah, you guys are tied. I, I, 
I gotta like, get another one. I gotta get another one in. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we, we want to replace your 3% rate as quickly as possible, Randy. <laughs> we want to get you up in the sevens as quickly as possible so you can tap into 10 grand of equity, right? But hey, y'all give Gabe a call. 832-557-1095. He's a really good guy. He's a really sharp guy. He's not going to steer you wrong. Uh, and in fact, if he can do something to help you, even if it would cost him business, uh, he will do that. And I, I can tell you, I know this for a fact from testimonials I've gotten from people. So give him a call, 832-557-1095. Hey, I want to ask you something a little more meta. Say Quinn does come back against TCU. And Quinn obviously has improved dramatically as a quarterback this year versus last year. Yes. You think he benefited from the last two weeks sitting with his headphones on watching Malik make some mistakes and seeing some of Sark's frustrations on the sideline. I'm glad you brought that up because I think the answer to that is always yes. If, if the player invests correctly in doing that. Um, I mean, some of the biggest lessons I learned over the years were an observation of, of peers and, and things from, you know, the dugout or the stands or whatever. Um, I think, him not ever really having that time to do that with Sark and being kind of in there and then getting to take a step back and listening to the play calls, getting to see it from the sideline where he's not worrying about live bullets flying. Um, I would hope uh, that that kind of springs him forward from a process standpoint of being able to break, maybe he can break things down a little bit better. Uh, I just, I'd be interested to see how, <clears throat> what his grasp of the offense is now that he kind of could dive in without having to worry about executing it. So in a former life, I was in pharma and pharma reps are basically salespeople, right? And I was a regional trainer. And one of the things that I noticed when I was training reps and later when I became a manager and a director and all that, and also still training reps is people in the moment have almost no self-awareness of what they're doing. None. I mean, negative. Like I would have people argue with me. I didn't say that. What are you, what are you talking about? And they, they meant it. They weren't being defensive. So I started videotaping our practice sessions of when we would do a, a fake sales call. And I would show that back to the rep and they'd sit there like horrified, like, oh my God, is that what I or. I yep. said like and um 14 mm -hmm. times in 30 seconds. And you just you you don't need to add anything. You just show it to them. And if the commentary is correct, you can actually soften it a little bit for them. Now, if they're watching it and still arguing with you, <laughs> yeah, you got a whole different problem. I mean, I remember one time a guy kept arguing with me and I would just rewind it and run it again. And then I, it was like this Apruder film. Right back just and keep, to the left. Yeah. I just kept doing it over and over until finally he was like, okay, okay. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> moving on. But I, I kind of think, and what also is interesting too, is if you teach and if you do stuff like that and you get that distance, when you go back and you do a sales call, you're like a God because you're actually detached from yourself as you're doing it while you're almost listening to yourself from the corner as you're doing it. And it's like you're, you're self-aware. Absolutely. And I think there's a level of you reach as an athlete where, you know, the old joke is like, oh, if I knew what I knew in high school about 
if I knew now what I know about girls back in high school, I would have killed it. And like, whatever, that's, that's cool. But you didn't, I'm sure every pitcher, every quarterback was like, Oh, if I knew <laughs> like yep. these two basic things, like, or, or just how to be self-aware. And bit, I, th- yeah. I think that's what Quinn's headset time could offer for him. Now you'll always develop better on the field, but developing on the field and then getting a little break and then getting back on the field, I think there's a weird chance for a level up in those circumstances. Maybe I'm being too optimistic. No, completely agree. You're you're 100% correct on that. And I hope that's the case. But, I mean, the opportunity is definitely there. Um, one of the big <laughs> – we had a – I missed a game with injury in high school. And uh, our uh, our backup was playing, and it's, it's the same little – curl flat concept that everybody and their dog runs in the history of the world. And he smoked the middle linebacker that was buzzing into the flat, right in the face mask. <laughs> and uh, I'm on the sideline, like, God, how did you not see him? And then, so after the, after the play or whatever, I'm coming around like, Hey man, like whatever. And our offensive coordinator comes over there and he's like, yeah, like he was there. Like, where do you, like, even if you don't physically see him, you knew he was there. Like, right. where'd you, where'd you think he went? Yeah, like you, you've got to process that in your head. Like, hey, that's out. And I'm that was one of the things that kind of clicked to me. It's like you got to trust your pre-snap almost more than what you see sometimes because there's a ton of really big, fast, angry people running around. That 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 picture that you see, you almost have to trust <clears throat> your training more than what you actually see sometimes. And I think getting detached away from it and being on the sideline helps you sort of process that and and understand the importance of the film study, the tendencies and everything other than, Hey, maybe this safety sank down and disappeared behind the defensive end, but I know what coverage they're in. And that window is closed, even though he's hidden from me and I can't see him. So I read a Steve Young's biography, which is actually pretty interesting. Really good. And I don't know if you remember this, but he said, I leveled up into an NFL Hall of Fame level quarterback when I started realizing I needed to release the ball to receivers I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. Just and Also, Steve Young was six feet tall. And so that was part of it. But also, I promise you, even Josh Allen has to release stuff. He's 6'5". There's times he doesn't see, but he knows the coverage and he mm-hmm. knows the route concepts and he's trusting Stefan Diggs to read it right. Yep, 100%. And so 70% of those, what is he looking at interceptions where you just throw it to a spot? There's a, there's a route miscommunication, right? That's, that's a quarterback trusting the guy was going to get there. You, you saw it on the, if you watch the TV copy of the game, I mean, you saw it on the sync ups of, I don't understand how Ewers can be so bad on the deep ball. He keeps overthrowing everybody. Like, look, look when Murphy released those balls. Like, it, there's a great deal of trust in that and feel and the touch of everything. But it's not like that guy's running down the sideline like he is in seven on seven or pregame drills, and you're just leading him by twenty yards. Like, you're <laughs> there. There's a whole lot more that goes into it than that. Like, yes, you have to know where the hole is, what the route is, what the field's supposed to be. But if you overthrow somebody by five yards, it's not because you had a good gauge on him 
running down the field and you just missed it by five yards. It's, it's a feel thing. Yeah. 100%. So I guess I'm curious, do you think, so I, I wrote in my post game that basically <clears throat> with a compounded by, this is a secondary reason, but compounded by a, a couple of issues we're having guarding the passing game on some similar, some route concepts mm-hmm. that keep coming up. Right. Uh, you you add that to Malik Murphy, yes, the crossing route, the mesh, all that stuff. You add that to Malik Murphy, and the point that I made was you've got to change one of those two, preferably Murphy as the primary cause, but the secondary cause would be PK, just like cleaning it up, and the defense just holds everyone to less than 10 points the next four games. But one of those two dynamics has to change, preferably the quarterback play yeah or we'll be in peril in every game we play even against a bad team yep 100 because we have the ability to throw a game away right yep. and we could be better at 18 of the 22 positions on the field and that's the thing about the jets are experiencing this with zach wilson right did you, speaking of what did you hear what he said the other day no he basically had no idea what he was doing until Aaron Rodgers came and taught him how to read a defense. Oh, that's good. It's cr- good, you, good job, crazy. BYU coaches. <laughs> crazy. I mean, hey. it, that was paraphrasing what he said, but basically, I mean, that's what, like, he was like, no, I mean, when Rodgers got here and, like, taught me how to do this, like, now I, I mean, granted, the results on the field hadn't really changed much, but. Hey, no anyway. lie. Brett Favre didn't know what a nickel was until his no. fourth year in the NFL. And Ty Detmer explained it to him. Yep. He asked Ty Detmer in a meeting, and Ty Detmer is like, are you messing with me? And Brett Favre's like, no. Like He keeps talking about a nickel. What's a nickel? And he's like, it's a defensive back that replaces a linebacker, so they have five on third down. And he goes, oh, well, who cares? <laughs> the amount of comments like that that are made by supremely talented athletes Yes, would absolutely shock the normal person walking around. So, there are some people out there, people that are just that damn good, and it doesn't matter. It's it's and there's a lot for, of there's a lot of them. It's hard for people to imagine that there are fifth, six-year NFL hmm? Pro Bowl defensive backs who drink a liter of Coke and drink and eat chicken nuggets for every meal. And they go to the club five nights a week and get wrecked. Mm-hmm. And then they go out on Sunday and they just master of the universe. Like this is their domain. And they walk out there and go, Hey, which who I got? Hey, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I got you this guy. Shut, okay. I got this guy shut down the slot. All right. <laughs> yep. No, like, it's hundred percent guys true. exist. And then you've got the Bosa's of the world. We're, it's a freak athlete meets crazy technical ability, right? Mm-hmm. And then everything in between. Yep. And then you got you got the tryharders who have just yep. enough athletic ability and they're just trying to hang on, man. Uh, they're looking for their niche. Man, it's crazy. Absolutely. It's it's funny because I always laugh on like because over the years on the boards, you know, you read them over a long time and you realize. Like, I don't think the average guy, like, because they'll be like, oh, Blake Gideon or Michael Taft. He's slow and he's blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
Michael Taft would be the best athlete you ever lined up across from on a fo- high school football field. Mm-hmm. Now, unless you played against Adrian Peterson or some other. Right. Yeah. Team. Yeah. Unless you, yeah. But like right. Michael Taft was a dominant player at Westlake. Yeah. Like primary reason they won that state title. I mean, he was the dude in their secondary and just phenomenal. And people are like, he's slow. And it's like, dude, I think you, I mean, I get, I get on there's levels. And yeah. I, I understand Michael Taff is not um, Terrence Newman or Deion Sanders, but he's, he's a much better athlete than like anyone, you know, or you. So I don't think people fully calibrate like the difference. It's, it's funny, no, right? You're, no, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, you're, it, that, that margin, <laughs> the margin between him and an elite athletic defensive back is much smaller than the margin between him and the dude that played safety for your high school. <laughs> yes. And not only, you know, played safety and was second team all district. Right. You know, yeah. hey, good for him. That's awesome. But yeah, no, he, he is, he is much closer to, I don't know, Roy Williams than he is to Shane Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Shane. Yeah. Sorry, Shane. You're yeah, out no there. Doubt. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, I always I always love the the Scalabrini challenge, right? The yeah. The famous, you know, the Celtic, the twelfth guy on their bench, right? Yep. Brian Scalabrini. People are mocking him. Oh, he sucks. Scalabrini's the worst. And he's like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be at this gym from noon to three. Everyone in Boston, come play me one-on-one. And so, like, all the best rec league players oh, in yeah. Boston and guys were like, I was all district and I, I played two years of college ball. Came they out the woodworks. Out, came out, and he just freaking skunked all of them. I mean. Didn't he, pl- didn't he play, like, five games and won them by, like, a combined total of, like, 55 to four? Like, he yeah. played to 11. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, he gave up, like, six points or something yeah. stupid. And like. and, like, the guys who hit baskets were shooting, like, fadeaways from the three-point line and like oh god it was so funny yeah uh i I love stuff like that because it puts things in uh puts things in perspective so i I saw this at the boxing gym right just training there like amateur boxing which is by no means anything like a pro or anything but there would be guys that would come in and be like i'm a tough guy i don't need to like and they go oh who's the baddest dude in here I'll, i'll spar him we just be like, we'll let you spar this 15 year old who does golden gloves. And when he's like, when you quit about halfway through the first round, like then you can go hit the heavy bag for a while. Yep. And that's what would happen. Uh, there's a great video. You got to look this up after the, the, this pod and you guys listening have to look it up too. Kellen Hurd, former A&M player. Do you remember him? From Wharton, right? Big Wharton, big, big six, four, three forty so, dude. I, right? I, I, Quick Kellen Hurd story. I don't know if I've told this before or not. Okay. I I was absent from the scrimmage when we scrimmaged Wharton prior to my senior year for a baseball tournament. And our backup quarterback had to play. And Kellen Hurd sacked him and knocked him out of the game. And when I heard, and he was not a large guy, shout out Colby. Um, (laughs) The uh, medical diagnosis was he got squished. <laughs> There's some good yoga. Literally, literally, good country right, doctor. Uh, nothing's really wrong with him. He just got squished. He got squished. A good country doctor, right yeah, there. Yeah, I think I, Kellen had a pretty good uh, scrimmage, from what I understand. And I was glad that I wasn't there to partake in it. Give him two tums, an Advil, and a Diet Coke. It'll yeah, be all right. 
Yeah. Well, so big Kellen heard, uh, was talking trash about how he'd murder, uh, like a boxer. Cause it was, oh, I heard, yes, I did hear about this. You're right. So yeah. He went in and he boxed this 170 pound dude. It was like, no one, he's not freaking Canelo. Uh, he's just, you know, a, an, an amateur at this boxing gym. And, uh, it's worth y'all's, y'all's time to go look up the video. Uh, this guy lets Kellen Hurd have some success and he's doing it on purpose. And then he just beats the brakes off him and Kellen Hurd quits. <laughs> Like, and everyone's good natured about it. You know, they're not being, but it's right. Yeah. Trying to explain to them like, Hey, there's, there's levels to this, just like there's levels to football. Right. And you can't just come untrained into this and think you're going to succeed. So anyway, we diverted a little bit. I just love stuff like that. Cause it's so funny and, and interesting, but, um, all right. TCU. Is Texas going to go there and take care of business? What do you think? Yeah. I just don't see a scenario where we don't. You don't I, see I, a scenario? Is this this is a lack of creativity on your part? I, I I even if we play the game we just played last week, I think we win comfortably. Okay. And that's I think we can both agree that that was not a well played game. What if Kansas State went spread four wide in the first quarter? I was asking why they weren't, and somebody told me because they couldn't. I don't remember who that was. <laughs> what do you mean they couldn't? I I think somebody said because they can't get separation um with their receivers. Oh. <laughs> I don't I can't remember who who would say such a thing. I think I said something along the lines of I don't know what Colin Klein is doing, but I'm not complaining. And you said, did you see the last play? They cannot get separation. Well, <laughs> I have to say they created. I've separation. been wrong plenty. I've been wrong plenty, so I had to throw that one out there. They, they, uh, they, created, pl- they created plenty they separation. Created, they created horizontal separation. Yes, a lot of it. I was not uh, anticipating that much horizontal separation. But uh, that's a good callback, and you're right, 100. percent But um, but yeah, that, I mean that, that game that game more? changes that game changes drastically, um, if that happens, but. All right, well, let me. Man, I just don't see it. I've seen TCU play a couple times this year. I just don't see it. Yeah, I hope I'm. I hope I'm right. Sonny Dykes isn't stupid. Like watching our film isn't the game plan. Throw it fifty-five times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've been doing that anyway. But But there's not even like why do offensive coordinators be like, well, let's establish a little run just to keep them honest. It's like. It's just second eleven, man. You're not establishing anything. (laughs) Like I can understand. A little bit why K State tried to to begin sure. with because that was their identity and they maybe they thought they had something. Yep. But they stayed with it for way too long, in my opinion. And they even went back to it late for yeah, no that, reason. That was the, not a qu- the couple couple of the quarterback powers on like third and whatever. It's like no, thank you, but no. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, Colin then- Klein got a little wrapped up in his old playing days or whatever, but. He, um, how he used to murder us with that delay power. So did you, I, I had to watch it just for Kleiman's response, but did you watch any of the K-State post-game interviews or whatever? I saw a brief thing from Kleiman on why they went for it, and that was it. He, he doubled down on, he'd go for it again, which I doubled down on. That's a terrible decision. Um, Will Howard kind of let it eat a little bit on uh, the fact that they did start throwing the ball earlier. Yeah. 
I was that between that and their tight end basically telling the Kansas State media to kick rocks on their their uh, criticism of Howard. It was it was pretty entertaining. Yeah, Ben Sinat went hard in the paint. I was impressed. Yeah, but no, How, Howard. Like I said, Howard let it eat a little bit on. Maybe we should have moved on to the pass game a little earlier. That's interesting. Very very unk State. Very much so. But he's That's about funny. the same age as Klein, so. Well, they got Baylor this weekend, so uh, yeah, they'll get right. I think they'll get right just fine because once we know about Kansas State, they'll blow out bad teams. Yes, they're too organized and too like yes. focused not to. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, b- uh, back to the TCU deal. I I'd just be, I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic about this, but I'd be surprised if if they're able to. Um, move the ball in that manner. Yeah, I I think they sh- I think they'll have some success between the 20s. I mean, honestly it depends who their quarterback is. So is or they talking about Morris being back or I haven't heard yeah, anything probably I think Morris. So Morris dressed out last week and was available in an emergency. You think that's a net positive for them or No, it is. Yeah, at think first so? I thought Hoover was better and then no. No. <laughs> he's he's not more yeah. sample size says he is definitively not better than Morris. Yeah. Uh, he had a great debut, but maybe they maybe they got the QB right this year. Looks like they got the QB right. Morris is a better player than Hoover. Hoover is uh, he was he was he was not protecting the ball and making some crazy throws. Yeah, he was, he was pretty dicey against Tech. I agree. And then the the game before he wasn't good either. So yeah, they want Morris back, and and Morris actually does add a little dimension with his legs. So. Yeah. True. Uh, TCU's defense, the the dreaded flyover, but they they don't get any pass rush other than blitzing, like full on blitzing. Which, if we got Ewers in there, we should be able to exploit. Yes, and I would even say that if they have to commit the numbers that they've been committing in the pass rush on the blitz, that that even helps Murphy. Because it clears up clears up his pictures. Well, I mean, they, it's Adnai Mitchell or Xavier Worthy's one on one. Yep, hundred percent. I mean, it, or or Sanders in the middle, right? whatever they do. Sing, drop back, they can't single be, read. They can't be right. Yeah, I mean, any situation where Murphy's in a drop back, single read, they're coming, throw it mm-hmm. to that guy. I I'm very confident in him. I'm fine with him. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, I I do think that uh, it's gonna be interesting. TCU really surprise surprise. Losing eight players to the NFL draft in a developmental program will set you back. But yeah, they don't have a pass rush, and that's what Dylan Horton gave them. That's what D. Winners gave them when they blitz him. He was a good blitzing linebacker. Yeah, you, you know they're going to have some stuff up their sleeve for this game, just like everybody else. Why wouldn't they? The farewell tour, and especially after they dropped a couple early, you know Dykes has probably looked had this one circled as a get some goodwill going type win if they could pull it off but uh i i think there's a too large of a talent gap if we execute anything close to what we're capable of i think that's true i i also think um if i'm dykes i just coach this in the most high variance way possible like i'd go for it on fourth and six on my 35 yeah why why would you not roll out the tech game plan from last year times two yeah What's he, what do you want to have to lose? You're going to lose a game that you're supposed to lose? I mean, are you going to get 
more credit for your from your fans if you lose thirty-one to seventeen. No. If you're no, going to you lose, yeah, you played winning the game. Yeah, yeah, get get blown out trying to win. Yeah. Uh, did you see any Rutgers, Ohio State, or hear about what they did? Yeah. They kicked it, three field goals inside yeah. the Ohio State five-yard line. It's like the most Greg Schiano thing ever. But that's that's a coach saying, "Hey, I think we won't get blown out if we do this." Yeah, no, you're 100 right. But it's that's like, dude, try to win the game. It's him. Like, play some Herm Edwards clips. Play to win the game. You play to win the game. Get sideways on that podium the way he did. Break every NCAA rule that's out there <laughs> at Arizona State. <laughs> Who knew the old uh, semi-retired coach getting that job wouldn't have shocked It worked hey, less miles at Kansas. His, his assistant's the head coach in the NFL right now. So, who's that? Antonio Pierce. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm rooting for Antonio <laughs> Pierce. I want him to do well. So, so, did you hear the whole deal about that? The the Raiders firing of McDaniels and how all that all went down. Uh, I've heard the real story and I've heard the fake internet story. The so fake story is like... the fake story is way better. Okay. Tell me that one first. No, nah, I'm just talking about the one where apparently he had Pierce come up and give a speech and Pierce said something negative about the Pierce was supposed to be like a supporting speech of, Hey, let's Kumbaya or whatever. And uh, Pierce said something negative about the Patriots. And apparently McDaniels got pissed off at him for saying something negative about the Patriots. What? Yeah. It's like you don't coach there, guy. That's nuts. Yeah. That is crazy. I don't well, I don't know. I mean, it's an unsubstantiated deal. I just know some people that know some people that I've heard that from. And I was like, man, if that's true, that's crazy. Well, the Raiders are one and oh since firing McDaniels. So and yep. They beat the Giants. Eighty eight million dollars <laughs> to the bat. That's a Jimbo buyout. It is. All right. You know, so I just wrote my beating Vegas column. And I've got Mississippi State. Yes, I know they're bad. Plus 19 and a half at A&M. You want to hmm. hear my you want to hear my angle on it? Yeah, let me hear the angle. I'm not, I'm not sold yet. Sell me. So Max Johnson has a broken rib or he's ribs. A, he's a human pinata back there. He, he's a human pinata. He's tough as hell. Um, yeah. They need to position switch him to, to edge or linebacker, but he's going to try to go. <laughs> How long can you stay in a football game behind that offensive line with all of his injuries? So is it fair to say there's a 75% chance he either won't play or will play a quarter? Yes. Is that fair? Fair. Okay. Other side of the – their third-string quarterback is a transfer from Fresno State who couldn't – who was like a career backup there. He couldn't start there. Okay? I don't know. Who, yeah, I have no – I was about to say, I have no idea who that guy is. So, But that, that's the point. On the other side of the ball, Mississippi State is terrible. They're terrible. But they're getting Will Rogers back. That's the, that's, the, that's the whispering that Will Rogers is coming back at quarterback. Did you see what the Aggies look like in their secondary against Ole Miss? was not very positive. It was not positive. So, with those two dynamics going on, and Will Arnett basically coaching for his job because he's mm-hmm. botched everything, is it feasible they could stay within 14 of Texas A&M and, and I get a 19 and a half? Could that happen? I, is that, is that I, absolutely. I didn't, I didn't know the Johnson injury thing. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely does. All right. I, don't, I, I would argue even with Johnson healthy, <laughs> healthy that that might be worth looking at. Yeah. Just because, I mean, just because they it just, that's, I mean, I think well documented that I, my in-laws and everybody, so I see a lot of Aggie football and it's like the same story unfolding every week. So can I ask you, knowing what you know, you've you've gone to the abyss and stared into it because you have you have the whole Aggie side of your family. Uh, what are they? What are they thinking? Are they still making excuses for Fisher, like the common man, the common Aggie? The general consensus from the area, which is as we've talked, is heavily A and M dominant. Is uh, they? I think people would like to move on. If if it's deemed feasible, so I, I I I think the hope the hope has subsided. You know why it's not unless feasible? unless he man unless he beats LSU at the end of the year. I I don't see him. I, I think they're going to pull the pull the ripcord on it. If they if they can get you know somebody of of note to take that job. Here's the problem. Here's why it's not feasible. It's not just the buyout. You have to get a guy or guys to pay that buyout. And that means, okay, Randy, you come to me. Hey, man, we want to buy out this coach, blah, blah, blah. I'm the big rich alum. Do I say, here's my money. Here's a blank check. I hope you guys hire well after you guys screwed up the last hire. Or am I going to say, hey, I like Kalen DeBoer. We're hiring Kalen DeBoer if I pay for this. That guy's wrong. Well, whatever. The point is, I get what you're saying. It's an amount of money that one guy ain't going to cover it. And so you're going to need five, 10. And those five or 10 Aggies are not going to agree on who the successor should be. One guy will be like Jeff Trailer. Another guy will be like, Are you joking? He's never had a big job. We got to go after uh, freaking Josh Heupel. We're going to steal him from Tennessee. Another right. guy's like, nah, you're nuts. That's, that's not going to happen. We got to go. We got to get, you know, a real Aggie football. We got to get a defensive mind. We got to get a guy that understands the tradition, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you're going to have all these competing interests and no one's going to be able to agree on a buyout because they, they want to be able to pick their guy. Does that make sense? No, I, I 100% agree with you, but I, if, they look into the future and see themselves at the same point next year, nine and a half million dollars cheaper. It's the same. You're, you're in the same boat. So I think, I think if they deem the move needs to be made, then they'll figure out a way to agree on that guy. Well, they are Aggies. So Aggies don't like, we'll see. Un, like nonconformity. Yeah. They like, agreeing. if anybody, if anybody can get some people on the same page and move them forward, <laughs> it's it, Aggies. It, it would be them. So, <laughs> yes. But I don't, I don't know. Somebody asked me that the other day at work, and I was like, man, I don't even – like. he's like, who do you go get? And, I don't know. Who would you go, go get? Guy that coaches at the highlighter school that may be looking to get out of the Pacific Northwest because he's tired of losing recruiting battles even though he's got all the money in the world. That's a thought. Dan Lanning. Would he – is that, he losing recruiting battles though? I think that dude's kind of killing it, right? Man, he's lost a couple. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
I think it's I think they're going to drastically overcorrect, rightfully so or not, and it's going to be a quote unquote young up and comer instead of what they did with Fisher and oh this guy's won a national title and somebody that's probably more and I don't know I mean Fisher it, whatever but they're they're not going to go for the old proven guy that may just be tempted to rest on his laurels. Yeah, the thing about Fisher is people kind of forget the part of the story where he was about to get fired at Florida State. The Jameis Winston meme is still the best description of that. What remember remind me of what that is? It's just I can't remember. It's like them two somewhere, maybe their faces are transposed on something else, but it's like, hey, you remember when I carried you to that national title? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fisher's like, yep. Yeah. It's cause so. it's cause Jameis executed. Yeah. So Anyway, I didn't, I didn't catch any Jimbo Fisher press conference post Ole Miss. Was it all the players again? Didn't not nah, didn't didn't see any of it. Didn't. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay eight to one odds that he didn't look at the camera and say, you know what, I got to coach better. That your odds are way off, but okay, <laughs> eighty to one is that better? based based upon <laughs> yeah past past experience? But all right, what else do we get to? What, what else do we want to talk about? I open it up to you. I. Th- We got to do some stuff defensively to change my outlook on where the ceiling of the season goes. I agree. Are you uh, are you thinking the nickel blitz ain't quite surprising people anymore? I'll I'm I've noticed it, but I'll steal it from Rod. We got to quit taking Jade Baron off the field. <laughs> well, I don't care. I don't care what we got to do, and we got to quit. Not and we got to quit lining him up to the freaking same side of the field all the time so they always know where he's at. So it's like, oh, well, okay, hey, what if we put our best slot receiver on the other side? How about that? And Baron Sorrell has to carry somebody 30 yards down the field again. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna, not good. I'm going to have to pay for another TV screen. Yeah, there's some stuff we're doing that's a little um, overly complex. And it's like, hey, like let's – first principles, Jade Baron. First, we want him on the field. Secondly, when he's on the field, his best primary use is not blitzer. Nope. His best primary use is shutting down their slot. And by the way, did you notice Kansas State aligned their running back every single play to the nickel side? Because they know that's the nickel blitz that we're bringing. And also the the other tell that was hilarious to me rewatching it was when you're a running back, you're assigned to pressure inside out. Meaning yep. the first place you look, and if you look any other place, literally your running back coach will kick you in your ass. The first place you look is right down the middle between the center and the two guard gaps. Yeah, double play, A gap. Double A gap. The minute that no one's coming and you're sure, because if it's a delay blitz and they come and you still divert from there, you're still going to get kicked in the ass by your position coach. When you're absolutely sure no one's coming, storming up the middle, you can turn and look out. That guy, when he would align to Jade Barron's side, the nickel side, every single time, he never looked inside once. Didn't when, care. When Barron blitzed on that K-State fourth down that they converted on their last drive, that guy is looking at him as the ball's being snapped. He looked like a he looked like a safety running the alley, tackling a running back. Like yeah. just if he, he went directly to a spot and went. And yeah, I, the only time our nickel blitz has gotten home this year is if there was a 
simulated pressure or some sort of a a gap penetration or blitz with it. And not I'm not taking anything away from our defensive linemen because I think they did an excellent job in all aspects for the most part with penetration of the middle. But for whatever reason, anytime we run that blitz, it's just it gives me Todd Orlando flashbacks of paratroopers storming in from the goalposts. In fairness, it's not a deep safety. True. On a delay. I mean, it True. nickel blitz is but, a is a time honored football blitz, but it's supposed to be rare, and that's what makes it effective, you, right? And you're at you're asking Baron to win a one on one, which kind of oddly enough, he's really really good at doing on a bubble screen, but he's just not a good blitzer, and like, for the most part, like he, he tends to run into the guy, like. I mean, he, he doesn't, and I don't, maybe it's a gap integrity thing, and he's told not to lose contain or. Well, he, he is the but, contain on that. But so, I mean, he, he never, like, if somebody picks him up, he's going to get blocked. Yeah. 100, 100, unless they just, unless they just turn him loose, like, he, he's going to get blocked. Yeah. For a, guy that, for a guy that's as adept as he is of kind of contorting his body and getting around things, that's not a strong suit of his currently. Well, I mean, part of the the value of that play is the surprise element. Yeah, which we're, is, not a, we're not surprising anybody with it. No. no, and so, and then the other part is, we still haven't figured out crossing routes and mesh and all that. And I mean, I, I put up some stuff on Inside Texas in the post mortem, and it's just clear they don't know. No, that one touchdown was bad. Where Malik Muhammad has the guy and then turns around and runs the other direction. Real and, bad. We kept we kept getting Philip Brooks matched up on Anthony Hill. Let me ask you this: Do you think we're still trying to run a lot of the match quarter stuff from last year, or you think this is? I think the secondary is designed to be a man secondary, but unfortunately, there are links in it to where they can't trust that because. I mean, we've seen it. Like Jaron Thompson, you can't. I mean, love the guy to death, but he struggles in man coverage. He just doesn't have the speed or leverage understanding. So I don't know if they get caught between, hey, this is this play or this defense is really set up for man, but we, I, it just looks so disjointed to me. Like it, that they don't. The front and the back don't match. Yeah, I, I do think that also things that we fail out, we things that we fail at, I should say, people then assign it certain descriptions. So I think the average Texas fan thinks zone coverage is soft. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. And in fact, one of the fundamental aspects of zone coverage is that you knock the shit out of the guy in front of you mm -hmm. when he catches the ball. Right, that's the that's a primary premise of zone coverage. Yeah. I'd rather see us play man that way. Yeah, and I mean, yes, but I, and the other thing is, you could play off coverage and come screaming like a banshee downhill the yeah. minute you make your read. I think it has more to do with guys not knowing their assignments, and we're blaming it on the coverage. Does, yeah. does that make sense? No, no, I agree. 
So I know people are saying like, I don't want to ever see cover three again, or I don't want to ever see this again. And it's like, I don't think the coverage is the problem. I think these guys don't know how to play that coverage. There's or, been, there's been multiple times, multiple times. And you and, and other people have pointed it out where you know what the coverage is and you know, the correct way to play that coverage. And it's not done. Yeah. yeah. Leverage wise, technique wise, you know, it, I don't where the blame falls on that. I'm not sure. Is it not trusting your abilities and not trusting your coaching, not knowing? I don't know, but it, the instances are too many for this point of the season where that continues to happen. Yeah. Do you remember when we had that weird spell in 2021 and then a little bit in 2022, but not as much where we were lining up and press man, mm-hmm. but not pressing ever just being close to the we're guy. Just three, we're just three yards away from the receiver, but you got a free release. So it's like, well, that, that's pointless. It defeats the <laughs> entire purpose, right? Yep. Because if you're going to be close, you got to interfere with his release. Have to. Have to. If, yep. if you're not going to interfere with his release, please get back. <laughs> that guy's fast. <laughs> and yep. you're standing flat-footed, and he knows where he's going, and you don't. So, yeah, give yourself a little room to react. But, yeah, we, we I don't know those disconnects. And I, I don't, it's not anything comparable to this, but I, I remember when Manny Diaz was here and he was teaching stuff and Dwayne Aquino was actively undermining what he was teaching. So for Manny Diaz's cover three to work, you had to have certain principles taught by the position coach. But Dwayne Aquino didn't believe in it and he just kind of was doing his own thing. So he'd spend all his time in coverage with guys playing press man. And Manny Diaz is like, hey, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to do this cover three zone. And, you know, we're trying to get turnovers because I like to blitz up front. And we're, we're doing these zone principles. We can keep our eyes on the quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And Keenan's like, nope. <laughs> so unsurprisingly, the defense did not look super well coordinated, right? Yeah. Uh, and Manny Diaz, to his credit, has done well every, every other place he's ever been. And he's been literally every other... He's coached at every other school in America by now. Pretty much at this point, I yep. Mean, so you knew something was off there that wasn't just Manny Diaz, right? I'm not saying it's anything approaching that, but I almost wonder if Terry Joseph and Kwiatkowski have that working relationship that Lake and Kwiatkowski had. Or Kwiatkowski might have just been like, hey, man, I'm going to handle the fronts. I'm going to call the D you get the secondary, right? And Lake was like, sounds good to me. I don't know if Joseph is that level of dude. I don't know. Yeah. No, I have no information one way or the other on Neither it, do I. This is all pure. It doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't appear that way. Let's put it that way. I, I guess I would just say, it feels like there's some basic stuff that's not happening. And even factoring in people making mistakes, the game's fast, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's crazy offensive formations where you're not sure who's receiver eligible or who's yeah, who. It, that happens. It, and, it, and it gets back to kind of what you were saying earlier with the quarterback play, right? There, there are things where you can watch it and say, mm, yeah, they got us. Yeah. Or, oh, yeah, I, man, I see what happened there. And, and then there's other times where it's just like it, it, it's a crossing a crossing route well so that's the thing is so i'm not mystified by stuff like a crossing route the way i think maybe some of the casuals are of like oh that's impossible to defend it's like well not really 
But then, so I don't know if you remember this, but it's a random poll. I was I made the mistake of logging into the game thread briefly, but Oof. they Will Howard threw a, a gorgeous ball on the sideline for 28 yards on Ryan Watts to a K-State receiver who played oh, Yep. A fade. Do you remember that? No, it, it went like right behind Watts's head. And when that happens, you know what my response is? Damn oh, good throw. <laughs> good throw. You're good. Yeah. Ryan, you're only, fine. Only thing you can do is press him closer to the sideline and not give him room. But really, yeah. they convert a third and five on a on a crossing route that's very simple. And it's like a little delay release and or even that touchdown they threw on a crossing yeah. route. Yeah. And I'm going ballistic. And people are like, well, it's not a big, that's a six-yard gain. And I was like, no, it's like the the principle. Like we're yep. we're not playing it right. It's not correct. Yep. And then when Ryan Watts gets beat on a perfect throw and a great r- route, I'm like, oh well, line up again. Football. Make him do, make him do it again. That's football. Yep. And so I guess I'm always off pace with sort of the thing the average fan reacts to. And so I think they find it as mystifying as I find them mystifying. So I don't know. I, don't, I, I just, it's frustrating to me because, you know, you'll, you'll even see um, a big, huge hole and a, there's a 230 pound running back, you know, Devin Neal's got the ball, Kansas blocks it. Perfect. There's a huge hole. And Michael Taft comes up and fills it with abandon. And as he makes the hit, he gets trampled and dragged three more yards. And I'm my reaction to that is, good job, Taft. And the, I think the casual's reaction is that is, Taft sucks. <laughs> yep. He just got run over. It's like, dude, like, it's the guy's got a 10-yard hard head start through a hole. And he outweighs him by 35 pounds. It's just like, yep. good job getting him on the ground. Like, hang, off, hang off for dear life. And I promise you the coaches, if they're good coaches, are like, good job there, Michael. Yep. Right? And then they're screaming at the linebackers, like, Se- what are you doing? Yeah. Second and seven, second and six, whatever it is. No big or deal. Second and one, whatever. Yep. But yeah, I just, I guess there's a, an element of that in me that's always, I'm always mystified by the reactions. It's, it's better than yelling for the, uh, the point after team. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Well, and I, I got to laugh too, because... In that game against Kansas State, the whole front was amazing, right? Everybody was great. But Jet Bush played 20 snaps, and he was freaking phenomenal in mm-hmm. his 20 snaps. He had this amazing play on the shovel pass. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. No, I – yeah. I, that one, I was like, that's a – wow. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, a really, I, really good play, yeah. Like, not only good recognition, but that you're you're more athletic than I thought you were to mm-hmm. be able to recover like that. Um, yeah, he made that look way easier than that play yeah. is to execute. And, and they had a, he had a great batted ball on a, a rush. And then he just kamikazed into some blockers when they were trying to run some outside zone that, that screwed it up and turned them back inside. And then the guy got smothered for second and 12. And he doesn't get credit for the tackle, but he's kind of the guy that yep. the coach will put the dot on and go, look at Bush here. He's the one who set this up. And he did that. And I'm almost to the point now in my postmortems, I don't want to praise him because there's going to be always that person who's like, the mob. He sucks. <laughs> Walk on. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's like, yeah. Hey, man, I'm just evaluating his play. I'm not saying he should get 80 snaps, but in his 20, he did a great job. As a football player. Yeah. He's, I mean, he he's, he's not a freak athlete. And yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be 
beating down his door to get him to transfer or do anything like that. But the guy's a damn good football player. And if you don't like him playing, then beat him out. Have have somebody recruit better and or have somebody beat him. And nobody yeah. can do it, apparently. It's funny. It's just it's just interesting. It uh it's you know, the way different people see the game in different ways, yeah, right? Hundred percent. Yep. Um yeah, I don't know, man. Anything else we want to hit on? No, that's that's kind of my big thing is I I just I would like to see a little bit more cohesion on the defensive side and maybe a cup a change or two. Isn't there some Texas baseball shit going on? Uh, that was last weekend. Oh, thank God. Speaking of which, get on Joe Cook. Like supposed to be the baseball guy. I got no reports on the <clears throat> Texas Fall World Series. Joe, let's go. So I'm a little insulted by that because I'm sitting, I'm standing right here talking to you. I'm baseball. Oh, you're the uh, baseball guy. Now. Well, then I'm, then I'll ask you where the reports on the I Texas don't, I don't, Fall I don't World believe Series. in that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a, it's no. a dwarf. It's a scrimmage. Who cares? I don't believe in that. I don't. Be, I don't. To me, baseball players are born, and there's no way to develop them. You know what I mean? You're just a born baseball player. Oh man, that's my opinion. No, I heard they look good. That's all I know. I would not even have these guys practice because it's too much risk of injury. Baseball's a that's that's the route that all the professional teams are taking with regards to Tommy John. It's working out real good for him. (laughs) Hey, everybody should throw less. I feel like you're being sarcastic. Almost like you're almost like you're suggesting that throwing a lot actually could condition your arm and not just weaken it. Oh yeah. I watched a Japanese guy the other day throw 146 pitches and punch out 16 in the championship Holy game. Cow. Are you and serious? Then he, and then he, def- I don't know what you call it, but then he posted and he's going to make millions of dollars. Yeah, the guy, uh, I can't remember, the dude from the baseball uh, World Baseball Classic threw like 130, 30, 134 or something like that. Which I'm sure he's done every start this year. Was it all knuckleballs or something? Dude has an Absolutely stupid split finger. Wow. Among among other things, but yeah, no. Punched out 14. I don't know if it was game seven or whatever over there, but no, nah, he's he's going to make a lot of money. I have to reveal this on air because uh, it revealed to my baseball ignorance, but also confirmed the stupidity of baseball. Like now. Remember when I asked you, I was like, why do they keep saying four finger fastball? Oh, four seam, four seam fastball. And you were like, yeah, four yeah. seam fastball. And you're like, well, that's just a fastball. I was like, yeah, isn't that just, why are they saying that? That's just a fastball. And you're like, that's, they do all that. Like, they describe yeah, everything. everything's got to be defined now. Everything like, has a description. Like, you yeah, can't just say yeah. a fastball anymore. No, it's a, you know, yeah, a slider and a sweeper. And a, we're going to have a drop ball before too long, like softball and the, the riding yeah. fastball. It's like, the writing fastball, I love that. No, it's one. just, it's just, it's a fastball that doesn't, it spins better and it doesn't drop, guys. Well, all this new nomenclature, like a four-run homer, they call that now a grand slam. Yeah, it's new. It's, it's going to end up being like football, where everything like cycles back to like terminology from the '60s. It's like the wing T is going to be like an in vogue offense in like 15 years. Did you uh, happen to catch Chip Kelly? What they line up in in goal line UCLA? No. They line up in a wing tee. The nasty slot or like the the uh, true the true wing tee. Three across. Oh, like a like a like the tee. Like nineteen forty three army. 
There you Red go. Blake, Doc Blanchard. We, we, we saw a couple of those back in the day. Yeah, and you know what? It kicks look, ass near goal look, line. Speaking of that, uh, I saw uh, Austin area people probably correct me on this, but I think Liberty Hill scored like 86 points the other week. <laughs> running, just running the wing tee. <laughs> I tell you what, you, you get the slow. whatever you want to call what they run, but it's it's dumb. Like, like four guys go over a hundred yards every game. You get the ball handling to that down. It's pretty deceptive. It's, it's scary. It's, it's hard to find the ball. Crazy. All right. Well, we've truly uh, we're truly yeah, we, mean, we, 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 me- we meandered all over the place on that well, one. We did, the, we did a little wing T dissertation. Yeah. All right. Hey man, uh, got to thank you for joining me. I know you had a long night. Now you get to chill out in your Hampton Inn, Marriott by Courtyard. Where you at? I don't even know, man. <laughs> do you ever do you travel enough? Do you ever forget your room number? Oh no, I don't travel. I don't. I don't have that much hotel deal. Uh, okay, I used to travel a ton. I just forget. I forget my room number because I forget my room number. Yeah, I used to travel a ton, and sometimes I would just I would walk to the room number of the, the prior hotel that I'd stayed at. It's a good way to meet girls. I can see. I can see. <laughs> or people you don't want to meet. Or people you don't want to meet. Or their husbands. Uh, all right, oh, man. Oh, man. For Randy Boone, I am Paul Wadlington saying, beat the frogs. Horns by 14. Hook them. Do you need a realtor in Central Texas? Of course you do. We all need a realtor in Central Texas. Even those of us who live in Dallas or Houston or San Francisco or Denver, Colorado. You need to go to Central Texas anyway. And the reason is Laura Baker is a fantastic realtor. She's great at what she does. She's a member of the elite Andy Allen team for Keller Williams. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Talk with Laura if you're thinking about putting your house on the market. This is a great time to get market comps. Uh, If you're looking to buy in the market, you need all the help you can get. Call Laura and it's 512-784-0505.